Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, happy Friday. How are you doing? We finally made it to another week and I feel like this week drug on so long. It was just so slow. And I feel like it was a really hard week for a lot of people. I really do. Everybody I talked to was like, this week has not really been that great. It really hasn't been that great. You know, I'm not really about that toxic positivity life. I'm all right admitting when things are hard. And I think this week was just kind of hard for a lot of people. Hugs to you, my friend. Uh, Hugs to you, my friend. Things will be looking up soon. I know they will. Uh, But right now, it's okay to say that you're not okay. It's okay to say that things are hard. It's okay to say... Life sucks right now. It's all right to say that. Just don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. Know that you deserve better and better is coming your way. And there is a brighter day at the end of all this. I promise. I promise. All right, guys. Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of The Birth Lounge Podcast. What if I sang in my intro, what would you guys do? Skip. (laughs) Skip every time. What do you do now? Do you skip? Do you skip the intro every now and then? Do you give it a listen? Oh my goodness. I wouldn't dare sing for you, I promise. But today's episode is incredibly important. Maybe not as important as if I announced if I was going to sing during the intro. But nevertheless, incredibly important to your birth experience. I'm talking about the ARRIVE study. Now, this is the study that shares that a 39-week induction might be beneficial for some pregnant people. 
I get asked a lot about the ARRIVE study because it's an extremely hot topic. People have very, very strong feelings about it. And I got to be honest, I'm not here to tell you whether it is a good or a bad idea for you to use the ARRIVE study. However, I am here to share with you, you have options when it comes to the ARRIVE study and you need to understand exactly what the ARRIVE study looked at found and shared plus the criteria that you should meet to know if the ARRIVE study is applicable to you and your birth experience. All of that's extremely important when you're looking at research. It just really is. It's, in, it's, it's incredibly important to think about the limitations that each study might bring and if and how that impacts you. It may even make it not applicable to you in some cases. So know that when you are looking at research. Some providers try and use the ARRIVE study as a blanket statement, you know, that it's just applicable to everybody. And that's simply not true. So I wanted to help you understand how you can break down the study and give you a few more resources that you can take a look at um, so that you can have this discussion with your provider to make sure that if and when you do use the ARRIVE study that it is best aligned with you. Now, for some people, they're thrilled to hear their science backing up an induction. And for some folks, that terrifies them because they feel the pressure from their provider and it doesn't feel aligned to have a 39-week induction. But before we dive into the issues with this study or the approach of using it as a blanket statement, I want to take a look at the history that you should all know. Around 41% of all pregnant people will have an induction suggested to them and 44% of those will be because you're close to your due date or quote unquote full term. We know that, you know, due dates aren't absolute dates. They are an estimate generally based on a guess and that babies all develop at differing speeds and rates. So 40 weeks is just an estimated. I actually call it a guesstimated due date, but Anyway, your baby's readiness will never be able to be determined by a date on a calendar that is more or less arbitrary. Anyway, this means almost half of all labors are suggested to be medically initiated, which that blows my mind. Like, where is the trust in nature and our bodies and being able to birth babies for ages and, and ages and ages before it's just so weird that we are trying to say that almost half of births need to be started artificially with human intervention. It's very strange. I just, you'll never convince me that that's true. So let's, let's take a pause really quick and take one moment to think about birth for what it actually is. Okay. It's a natural event. Without human intervention, there would be so much less birth trauma. So many less C-sections, far fewer inductions, and the trust in our bodies would be restored probably completely. Pregnancy is not an illness. Birth is not a medical event. 90% of the time, with a healthy respect for the 10% of cases who truly require medical support and intervention, birth will transpire how we expect it to kind of without needing too much support. 
right? If you think about it, it's true. You're doing a very natural thing that billions of women have done before you. Truly, take a moment to think about that. Billions of people have birthed their baby before you. There are also a few things that you need to know when discussing the ARISE study with your provider. Now, number one, the ARRIVE study set out to prove something and it did just that. So that's number one. That's the first limitation is that it was trying to prove that 39-week inductions yielded better results. And it did that. So we need to dive super deep into that. Not to say that every time a hypothesis is proved that there's something sketchy going on, but we definitely want to look at what sort of biases might have been presented, whether the researchers knew it or not. There's totally sometimes biases that they don't even catch, and you just need to be aware of that. That shouldn't surprise anybody that they set out to, uh, you know, find something, improve something, and they did. That's exactly what experiments in science are supposed to do. That's how you get funding. But don't stop there. Challenge it. Look up. Look it up. Ask questions. Look into the biases that they may have. Make sure that it is applicable to you and your birth goals and your individual plan rather than a blanket statement. You know, that's true of all research, though. If you, if you think about it, all research is funded, and you can't hold that against them because we need research, and we've got to be able to pay for it somehow. But at the same time, you can and you should look into the funding of research and look into how the study might have shown any bias in any way because again it doesn't make it bad science or a bad study necessarily but it does make it something that you're going to want to know and keep in the forefront of your mind as a consumer of medicine all right number two there are some pretty big holes in the arrive study like the criteria you need to meet to yield these same results for yourself is pretty strict now, I showed that the ARRIVE study had some benefits um, to having a 39-week induction. Um, there were some benefits for both birthing parent and baby, and I've connected a, or in the show notes, I've linked a resource to evidence-based births so that you can see the, um, the whole breakdown of all the science kind of comprehensive in, in one location. But you should know that people who feel strongly about low-intervention birth people who have care by a provider with a high c-section rate and people who don't feel like an induction is aligned with their birth goals are all not recommended to use this approach that means if you fall into either one of those categories you want a low intervention birth you have a provider with an already high c-section rate or you don't want to be induced you should not should not be induced at 39 weeks and this study does not apply to you do you see how there's pretty big holes? That's probably a lot of birthing people. And this can be seen in the recruiting. They invited um, a little over 22,000 people to participate, 22,533, and just over 6,000 actually did, 6,106. So, yikes. That's a really big number of people who said no thanks, and I really do believe that it's because you're going to be hard-pressed to find birthing people who don't have preferences on how their labor begins. So basically, the ARRIVE study 
told you either you'd be induced or you would wait for labor to start naturally of course as long as it was safe but we were basically just randomly choosing people and the point was to just see in a handful of people if we induce half of them early at 39 weeks and we let the other half go into labor naturally what will happen and who will have better results, right? And so that requires people who are like, yeah, totally, I don't care if I get induced for absolutely no reason at all. And like, yeah, totally, I don't care if I have to wait, you know, for my labor to, I don't know. It. I, I just feel like it, it requires a very specific type of birther. And I, I think that's an extremely narrow subset of, of birthers. But anyway, you also have to have no preference on how long your pregnancy goes or the outcome of your labor because basically if your labor starts with an induction and things get out of hand then you didn't really have any control about that because you were just told how your labor was going to start it's a mess if you have birth goals i mean that's the thing is like if you have preferences on how your birth goals your birth goes and it is not to be induced at 39 weeks then this is probably not super applicable for you. But anyway, if you don't care about one of those things or any of those things, then this is totally the research for you. And you may really be ready to have your baby at 39 weeks. And, um, you know, an induction will be great for you. I like how you have options. But, you know, like I said in the intro, the 39-week thing is, is not a blanket statement, and it shouldn't be. It's on your side if you want that, and you and that's aligned for you. But it's also, it doesn't have to be applicable for you if you don't want that, and that's not aligned for you, right? That's what I love that most about it, I think. All right, number three. There is a slight decrease, 3%, for 39-week inductions compared to spontaneous labor. Now, my issue with this is, okay, so depending on what medical professional you ask, 3% is either going to be a lot or not a lot. I have, I know a pharmacist who we were having a discussion one time, and, and she was like, um, he, he, even 1% is good. And I was like, mm, I would never, ever, ever want to mandate something or recommend everything, uh, something to everyone based on 1% for me, not worth it personally, right? Who am I? I'm not a doctor. Who am I? I'm not a pharmacist. I'm, I'm he, he. I'm telling you 1% is not something I would blanket recommend. And it's also not something that I like 1%. That's not good. And so anyway, we got a 3% in, uh, decrease. I want you to balance whether that is important to you, right? So what we must balance is your birth goals, with such a small decrease. Is 3% worth it for you? The researchers didn't really specify an induction protocol, so all of these inductions were done in whatever way each provider felt was best. So the problem with that is we actually don't know if there is, you know, what I call the induction equation. And you can go back and listen to episode 146 with Becca Healy, all about inductions. We talk about the induction equation and, and kind of the, the methods that we can use and how they stack on one another and which ones don't stack. And if you use this one, what it might take away from you later in labor. And if you save it, what it might benefit, you know, things like that. But we have to be able to 
balance that with your birth goals. And since we don't know the induction protocol that yielded really, really good results in these because none of the researchers kind of specified that, for you, for all consumers, it's left up to your provider or you to be an informed consumer where you know all of your options. You can find more about that in the birth lounge. We've got an entire module on inductions. Um, so, you know, 3%. You have to kind of think about that. That's a lot of variability to try, knowing that we don't have a step-by-step guide of what induction method yielded these results to generalize to every birthing person. I don't know. My thoughts are that for so many birthing people, when they consider the small decrease and the idea of being induced, they don't line up, right? Most folks would rather take the 3% risk for the change to go into labor naturally. And since we don't have a single method for induction, this is going to be highly dependent on your provider and what their, you know, what their preferred method is. It depends on their C-section rate and their comfortability with varied methods and your education and your preferences, you know. Like, do you know about balloons and cervical ripeners and, and how to use those in what order? If you are sitting there being like, oh my God, I don't really go back and listen to 146 because we break it all down. We break down like all the methods and how to use them and in what order and all that jazz, you know. Do you know the standard protocol for Pitocin and your alternatives for this? And there's just so much to know about induction. So the more educated you are, you know, about your options, obviously the less risk you have for a C-section. But... With a 39-week induction, if you don't have the preferences that I previously talked about, then you do have a 3% decrease in C-section rate, right? It just calls for you not to have super preferences for your birth, which is totally fine. All right, number four, many providers aren't actually presenting it as an option and rather they recommend it as like the suggested route, which is what I was talking about in the in the opening is that a lot of times we use this as a blanket statement and it is not. In addition to this, most providers are not taken into account or having intentional informed discussions about the three criteria. And I want to just let you know that the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, so ACOG, set forth these three criteria, all right? The values and preferences of pregnant people. The resources available, meaning the, you know, staff at your hospital, and the setting in which the intervention will be implemented. Now, ACOG also says a collaborative discussion with shared decision-making should take place with the pregnant person. Now, this is direct instruction to offer this as an option to discuss the risk to discuss the benefits, and to share about the criteria that make it a good fit or not for somebody, and so many providers are not doing this. I do not understand. Your boss, your governing organization, ACOG, has said this should happen, and we're just not seeing it. So you as a consumer just need to know that, and if it's presented to you as a suggested route, you can just know your rights and know that ACOG really does suggest that it's a discussion and that it should not be actually recommended as a blanket statement. It truly should take into someone's 
personal account. Another issue with the ARRIVE study as using that as a blanket statement is a lot of providers are not taking into account the Bishop score. You can check out episode 141 Friday Free Talk to hear more about the Bishop score and whether that is applicable or not to you. It is an extremely old um, scoring system to tell you the readiness of your cervix for induction, but there are some really important components and things to know about it before you use it as an indicator of whether you should be induced or not. So head to episode 141 to hear about that. I've actually never seen a provider do a bishop score for you know, um, the ARRIVE study. I just see that providers recommend a 39-week induction and say it lowers your risk for a C-section, but they never say it only lowers it by 3%. They never say you have to meet these strict criteria. They never say, oh, and your birth goals, does that align with you? And they never talk about it like that. They literally just give it as a one-blanket statement, and that's not okay. While it's not recommended by ACOG or included in the criteria, it makes a logical, you know, it makes logical sense to see what someone's cervix is up to before we induce them. This would be a fantastic place for providers to think outside of the box in order to give easy individualized care that, you know, can truly make a big difference in patient satisfaction and possibly their outcome. Just imagine if we stopped inducing people without checking their cervix first and we knew if your cervix was high and dry at 39 weeks, we should not touch your cervix. We should not be trying to pull out your baby if your body is giving us zero signs that it is ready, that your body is ready or your baby is ready and you both are safe. You and your baby are safe. There's just no reason. There's no reason. That's unnecessary intervention. And honestly, at the end of it, you could be looking at an unnecessary NICU stay because we messed with something that didn't need to be messed with. We always have to think about a NICU stay at the other end of an induction, and we have to weigh that with the pros of being induced and the reasons that we are being induced and making sure that those are founded in medically necessary evidence-based reasons. Otherwise, big risk on the other side. And it's not always presented like that. You know, in a simple conversation between provider and patient about what the Bishop score is and what it tells us and why it might be helpful and, you know, how we how we perform it. It's a it's a cervical exam, right? So it's a vaginal exam. It is internal. Explaining that before we move forward with the ARRIVE trial findings would probably be a game changer for so many people and it would just give you extra data so that you could be sure that you're making the best decision for you with all the data points. I just feel like if we're making these decisions about inducing people at 39 weeks without explaining all of these things and without seeing what's up with your cervix, WTF, what are we doing? Why are we making big decisions without having all of the puzzle pieces? It literally makes no sense to me at all. No sense to me at all. All right. Those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts on the ARRIVE study. I also wanted to share about um, failed inductions 
just a, just quickly, I'm going to do a whole episode for you on failed inductions. Um, and again, episode 146 with Becca Healy, certified nurse midwife, is a really great episode to check out because we talk about failed inductions um, on there. And, and you can hear her perspective as a provider and as a midwife provider, right? Not as an OB provider who are trained surgeons. Midwifery is going to come at it a little bit differently than obstetrical um, the obstetrical viewpoint, but for failed inductions, yeah, failed inductions, they can fail. Did you know that you can actually leave and go home after a failed induction and like not have a baby with you? Yeah, it's true. You can. Um, if you and your baby are safe and you have not made any decisions that require continuous monitoring, you have the option to go home. Yeah, I mean, you always have the option to go home, but that obviously wouldn't be advised if you, you know, or your baby weren't safe, or, um, I don't know, your waters have been broken for a long time, or you were, you know, nearing the end of your labor. Like, there's tons of reasons that you may not be, you know, suitable to go home, but let's say you do go in to have a 39-week induction, and your body is resistant, and literally you cannot get labor started. This means that you, um, you know, have tried various induction methods, and it's been quite a number of hours, and you still have no contractions, and you're not making any progress, you can go home. It is important to know that ACOG recommends if the maternal and fetal status allow cesarean births for failed inductions of labor in the latent phase can be avoided by allowing longer durations of the latent phase, up to 24 hours or longer, and requiring that oxytocin be administered for at least 12 to 18 hours after membrane rupture before deeming an induction a failure. Super important to know. Super, super important to know. You guys, these are the things that your, you know, hospital childbirth education and your hospital-sponsored, hospital-based childbirth education courses are not going to tell you. But they're extremely important for you to know as as a consumer of medicine because this can... It can really change the course of your birth. Um, it, it truly, truly can. And the evidence is on your side. The way that, you know, the medical system plays out and leverages and uses the ARISE study is incredibly inappropriate. ACOG says that they should not use it that way, yet it still does. You know, we're not treating pregnancy as a healthy medical event, which it is. We're treating it as something that's uncontrollable and dangerous, which it is not. We aren't providing birthing people with individualized care. Rather, blanket statements that leave them with emotional and physical scars because we are trying to induce people inappropriately and not taking into consideration their birth goals and, you know, the possible outcomes and helping them be in control of these situations. It's just being recommended as the suggested route overall. And it's inappropriate. It's totally inappropriate. You can never use any research like that as a one-size-fits-all ever. You cannot do it, you know. Evidence-based birth says current research evidence has found that elective inductions at 39 weeks does not make a difference in the rate of death or serious complications for babies. 
For mothers, induction at 39 weeks was linked to a small decrease in the rate of C-sections compared to those assigned to wait for labor. 19% C-section rate versus 22%. You know, here's the bottom line. It is ultimately up to you. You get to choose. You get to have the research. You get to look at it critically. You get to think about it deeply. You get to have these conversations with your provider. And then you get to choose how you, how you do it. You know your baby and you know your body. And you're the most qualified person to make this call. So, sister, get after it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on another episode of Friday Free Talk. You know I love hanging out with you guys. I will see you next week on Tuesday for another wonderful episode with a guest. I cannot wait to see you then. Goodbye. Hey there. Before you go, I wanted to tell you who made today's episode possible. Today's episode is brought to you by The Birth Lounge. Are you pregnant and wondering where to begin? Or maybe your baby is due any day now and you still have a million questions swirling around in your head. From prepping for labor, to knowing what to pack in your hospital bag, to understanding your newborn's communication, I've put it all in the birth lounge. It is jam-packed with honest, evidence-based information and resources to support your current stage of life, to help you birth with confidence and stay in control of the decisions made about your body. The birth lounge is an online membership that streamlines preparing for a baby. The lounge breaks down pregnancy into step-by-step chunks that makes preparing for birth a breeze. Inside the lounge, you will find training videos that help you navigate the hospital system, pack for your birth bag, create a birth plan, prepare for postpartum, and understand what's happening to your body and your baby's body. Also included are resources about feeding your tiny human, stages of labor, pain relief, how to effectively push without tearing, and routine procedures that will be done during labor for you and after birth for your baby. Birth trauma is 100% avoidable, and the lounge is your key to doing just that. It's not about controlling what happens to you. It's about controlling your options and how you react. I'm going to teach you exactly how to do that. Join the birth lounge to take control of your pregnancy. For more information and to gain lounge access, please visit thebirthlounge.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. there just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice diagnosis or treatment 
Please consult your health care provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.